It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. Anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. And we also want to welcome those listeners on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth. And or if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we welcome you all. I also want to welcome a couple of people to the show today who are here and are part of what was called One Nine. It's a collaboration of film creators, uh, all women that got together during the pandemic and created these short films all from different perspectives, with one rule, I understand, and the one rule was that they vow to trust themselves, to trust each other, and be courageous. So with me here on the show, I have Carmen Sanjin. And also we have with us Lydia Zimmerman. Now, Carmen is in South Africa, so it's a pleasure to have her here for her short film that she created called Uncertainty. And also with Lydia, she created the film Encounter. She, uh, although it says Spain, she is in Switzerland as we uh, speak with her today. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you very much for Thank having, you for having me. me. Yeah. So I understand you were given this one rule, and that is to trust yourselves, to trust each other, and be courageous. Now, you all created, you, you weren't collaborating in the sense that you were working together. You were all working separately, of course, because of COVID-19. How did that one rule come into being? I, I know that you guys probably had a chance to meet and talk with each other online prior to making and make and going into making your films. Carmen, would you like to begin? Um, we actually had, if I remember correctly, Lydia, I think we had like one meeting before we actually went off and made the films. And in that one meeting, um, we discussed um, where each one of us was coming from and, you know, in terms of the pandemic, in terms of our lockdowns and, and how we were feeling about it. And I think it kind of very sort of, um, if I remember correctly, because it was such a long time ago, but it was a very sort of organic rule um, that came about within that discussion. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Lydia, do you want to expand on that? Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Carmen. Um, my memory is um, that uh, Ingrid Wenninger uh, contacted us from Punk Film. She started, uh, uh, I don't know, I think she has started with three of us and then spread the voice and then we, we, were, we were nine. I think at some point we were even 10 and then we turned down to, to nine. Yes, yes. And the idea, and, and Ingrid's first idea, the way, at least what, what she approached me with, was this idea of doing a cadaveric ski, which is this, this, this playful artistic expression that the surrealists used to, to use, which is um, used for collabor collaboration. And it, it, I don't know if everybody, should I explain what a cadaveric ski is? Yes, please. Uh, it's, um, it's like you, you create something and then you leave the last bit open for the next one. So the next uh -huh. one receives a, a piece which has only a very 
um, small part of information and mm. works with that. So in our case was to do films that would will all end with a message on the screen or on the telephone. We had this idea that because we were all locked down, we had maybe the way to pass from one short film to the mm-hmm. next would be through a message. Mm. Any sort of media would, would, would be good for that. And and um and that was like the first idea to, to for, for our collaboration. And it is true that we all had like one Zoom meeting uh, in those times where Zoom were still like a very new technology for all of us. And um, after discussing and throwing many ideas, we decided that the only rule was going to be no rules. <laughs> that basically, maybe, yeah, yeah we, we just got to this essential idea that we were going to trust each other. Mm. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I, I really like that idea about sort of that handoff that you were talking about from one filmmaker to the next with very little to, to go on. Uh, it sounds like a very interesting process uh, that, that might have been, uh, that might have been uh, utilized, but, but obviously you said you went on to this other thing. I want to go back to a comment that, that Carmen made prior to just starting the conversation or as we were just starting, and that was that she said it's, it was so long ago, you know, that this, this uh, getting together over Zoom. And, and 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 isn't it true that it's everything seems so long ago these days in these times? It could even be a week ago, but it all yeah. seems so long ago. Our time has been so affected by what we've been going through. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Now, I liked how in the aftermath, you guys wrote a little bit about each of how you, you went about and started approaching your films and what you thought you might we're going to do and how things changed a little bit. So Carmen, do you want to go through that process a little bit about when you started the process and what you were thinking at the time? Because that, you had a bit of an epiphany sort of yeah, um, when Ingrid first um, contacted me about the idea, honestly, I had no clue what I was going to do. I just, we were about eight days away from going into lockdown and I was feeling very kind of anxious about the whole thing. I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. I was very uncertain about the future. And so when she contacted me, I just felt like, yeah, this it would be just great to just kind of pull myself into something creative. Um, and after that first meeting, um, I had decided, decided that I was going to do something that I have never done in my career, which was my plan was to turn the camera on myself and kind of document um, my experience during the lockdown, during the pandemic. Um, but that didn't quite work out the way I'd hoped. Um, I just, I just was not able to do it. And I'm not, I'm not even now a year later, I still don't understand why I couldn't do that. Mm. Um, and then I just kind of did what I usually do when I, when I start a new project, which is just kind of to put it out there to the universe that, you know, if there's a story that needs to be told, I'm here, I'm availing myself. Um, I will be a vehicle for that story. I will be a vehicle for those characters. And I kind of just left it, um, for a few days. And, um, like always, <laughs> the, the idea just arrived, uh, just knocked on my door <laughs> and the characters, um, walked in and said, here we are. Um, you know, we want our story to be told. Um, and I think ultimately when I look back, I realized that the story I told was actually my story. I just was, mm. I guess, not brave enough to turn the camera on myself mm. and so had to use fictional characters to tell the story through, which I guess is what most fiction filmmakers do anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my film is, is really just about um, 
uh, a couple dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, uh, and, and told uh, particularly from a male perspective, um, a black male perspective, an African male perspective, um, which is not something that we see very often, certainly not um, here in South Africa or on the African continent. Um, and so I just kind of, uh, yeah, that was the story. And that's, uh, I just went with it. Hmm. Yeah. And, and also when you say you're dealing with those, those issues, you mentioned mental health as well, which comes through in this yeah. story. Yeah, I mean, I've been sort of dealing with my own mental health issues for a very, very long time. And um, I have gotten to a place where um, I'm a lot more in control um, of my mental health. Um, I have lots of um, techniques and I've learned lots of things from various healers and therapists on how to deal with my anxiety and my depression when it does come. Um but during that time, you know, I was noticing on social media that a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people, in fact, a lot of people, I think during the pandemic was actually the first time that they realized they did have some mental health. The first time that they were, were actually confronting those mental health issues. And, um, you know, you saw a lot of that coming out on social media. And um, I think uh, in that sort of early time during lockdown, we were also, there was all the, all the stuff happening in America with George Floyd. So there's a lot of like black people kind of coming on the internet, talking about how racism affects, um, you know, their mental health. Um, and then to be in this pandemic, a lot of women talking about GBV and how that affects their mental health. Um, so I just really wanted to kind of shine a spotlight on that a little bit. Um, and I think, um, I mean, I think I did an okay job. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was wonderful. And I, I really liked how you incorporated some movement, uh, dance-like yeah. in there as well. Can, can you take me through it? Because you said you were going to do it, uh, you know, the camera on yourself. But now, of course, with, with COVID and you were saying you were going into lockdown. So, so how did you go about being able to make the film and incorporate characters? and actors yeah so initially when I wrote so what I did was I didn't write a script like I would ordinarily do I just kind of wrote a very basic treatment um, I worked a little bit on the two characters and, and who I thought they were and where they were coming from each one of them and then I decided that I wanted it to be like a conversation between these two people in this one environment um, um and then from there, um, my initial idea was because, I, you know, because obviously we couldn't leave our homes. So my initial idea was I was going to just kind of talk my actors. Oh, because I was lucky enough um, to find a couple that live in the same house and they married. They're both actors. So my idea was I was just going to basically direct them through the telephone or through Zoom. And um, that's how we would capture the images. But um, luckily, uh, I think about two or three weeks into our lockdown, government um, was allowing people to, we, we were being given uh, certificates to go out and, and, and do whatever, you know, uh, work, whatever, especially mm. like if you're in the media or, right. um, so I was able to apply for a certificate um, for myself and my cameraman. And so we just went to the actor's house for the weekend and we basically just shot the whole film in two days. Mm. Um, it was just him and myself and the camera and the mm. two actors. Mm. 
Wow. You're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests are filmmakers Carmen Sanjan and Lydia Zimmerman. Great. And, and of course, the name of your piece is Uncertainty, which is interesting because uh, you mentioned that a couple of times, but also in, in, the, uh, in the description of 1-9, uh, it talks about uncertainty. It refers to that many times over. I'll just read what it says. In times of uncertainty, we embrace uncertainty and create. During the COVID-19 pandemic, nine filmmakers isolated in different parts of the world joined to make a collective experiment, a nine-chapter anthology of perspectives and experiences, real, unreal, fiction, nonfiction, and everything in between. So uh, interesting as you chose that name for your piece as well. Yeah, I mean, that's how I was feeling. I just, um, so when we had that first meeting, one of the things that we decided in that very first meeting was that each one of us was going to select a word to describe how we were feeling, to describe the message that we wanted to put out there, to describe whatever it is that we, that sort of encapsulates um, what our film would be. And for me, I just, that word uncertainty was just literally how I was feeling then. And maybe even a little bit now, still kind of uncertain about the future, still not quite sure what our world is going to be like when this is all said and done. Um, you know, even though we kind of in that phase where we're starting to get vaccinated, it's, it's, we're still not sure, you know, some of the vaccines are working, some of them are not, some of them are, uh, so we just, there's no, there's no certainty about what the future holds. And so I think um, for me, that word really kind of um, encapsulated how I was feeling at that point in time. Yeah, and I'm sure that it also captures how many, many uh, other people are feeling as well. Uh, you know, yeah. going from the, the kind of film that you made in a real situation, sort of uh, very, very looking very closely at, at a couple that are going through the, the situations that you, you had them in um, to try and and expand and and look at those struggles that they were they were having which you know one of those things that we talked about is that that a mental uh, wellness or or issues that people are dealing with and people are dealing with that right around the world of course and then if we flip over to Lydia Zimmerman and her her film Encounter um, yes. that I believe uh, Lydia you, did you film that in Switzerland or was that in Spain that you filmed it no no I was in Spain I'm I'm both I'm uh, Spanish and Swiss and uh, I happened to be in Spain when the lockdown happened. Mm. Yes. And so you took a very different approach to your your uh, film, and um, I was very, of course, taken with the imagery and the way you you brought that whole film together. So do you want do you want to take us through that a little bit? Encounter is what you called it. Yes, yes. Thank you. Well, yes. I mean, I I thought it was a very beautiful idea coming from in, Ingrid to have us all using this time of uncertainty of you know having all the world suddenly stopping around and to be creative with that time so i thought first of all i thought yes i'm going to do a fiction i'm going to work with um i'm, I'm very used to work with non-professional actors mm. actually I'm, I'm a coach for actors mm. and i've been doing working with, with in school in actor schools a little bit all over the, the world. Mm. So I was very happy and I wrote that story about a man getting sick in the valley because 
the, the place where I was doing the, lock, the lockdown is a tiny little valley very close to Barcelona, like an hour away from the city. And there are only six houses in this valley. It really feels like the end of the world. Mm. Even the road mm. is like a not through road. Mm. So, and we, we all know each other. And I thought, well, it would be very nice to imagine what would happen if the neighbor up in the house who lives alone gets the the virus virus and and how is that going to affect us the neighbors who is going to be willing to help to expose themselves who is not etc so I went with this idea and um, really wanting to do a piece of like cine verité like very sort mm. of like um, uh, documentary fiction documentary mm, mm. but then nobody was following me. <laughs> Uh, not because of the of the virus, but just nobody really dared to to be in front of the camera, ah. and um, and I felt that I in, maybe in, in another occasion I would have pushed, but mm-hmm. this time I thought no. I mean, there is this. It's it's quite serious what's going on, and I you know mm-hmm. it's good that everybody stays in their own houses and and. Um, and yes, I just sort of respected it. And and then I, I went a little bit into a crisis. I didn't know what really what to do. <laughs> and I just entered into that feeling that that time I, I was not able anymore to count the days. It was so mm. strange. Mm. And, and I had this feeling that time has totally become like liquid, something that you really cannot hold and and then i i really went with this experience of totally submerging myself with nature with all the living beings that surrounded the house the house is alone surrounded by this forest there is a, a forest of very old chestnut trees that actually uh, a virus had um, arrived and started killing them for five years. Right. So I thought that was another sort of pandemic mm-hmm. for the trees and the pandemic that has been very silent and with no apparent effect around. So I thought it was beautiful to give a voice to that, to that. And then, and then, yeah, it was a very quiet filmmaking. I was maybe doing one shot per day and taking it very, very slowly writing thoughts which afterwards became the voiceover and um yeah that 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 was my process mm. i also i also had this idea that that there is this concept of anthropocentric we we are living now in this era of the anthropocentric era which is the the human being is constantly and always in the center of everything and mm. uh, i i think that Uh, climate change for instance is a consequence of this way of thinking and I really wanted to imagine how it would be to give the voice of this thing to a bird for instance or to an animal and uh, or to a mind uh, a living being that has this consciousness that we are all part of the same biological system when you talked about the diseases of the trees and 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 we saw a couple of times when the trees actually fell. Was that natural? Did they just happen to? Did you just happen to capture them? Well, n- no. The one that falls in the tree. This tree is not natural, but um, it was a dead tree yes. already. Yep. And um, and a few times uh, while I was there during the lockdown, I heard mm. two trees falling in the forest, mm. and it was like. I don't know. I mean, those chestnut trees, it's like a, 
a mammoth or an elephant just falling right, down sure. with all the bones falling down yes, to the ground. Yes. And they just felt because of this disease yes. during that time. So I thought, I mean, yeah, I because it was a dead tree, I dared to said, I think I, I need to put this in the film. Right. So. Right. Thankfully, thank, uh, hopefully, the the air it created to take the dead tree will sort of bring enough energy for it. Has this tree has a little new branch coming mm. from the ground? So mm-hmm. let's hope for that little branch. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's what happens with old growth when it falls. It does become the the food for for new growth, as we all know. Yes. So mm-hmm. so hopefully that that's that's looking to the future and, and a bright side of it for sure. Yeah. Um, have you each had a chance to see your your finished products? Yes, we have. Great. And um, now this is part of, as we said, this uh, this film ent- entitled One Nine, and it is part. It's going to be have the world premiere at the female female eye film festival at uh, the TIFF Bell Lightbox, and that's at the Encore Plus M- Media, which is going to be on March twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth. And um, so, will you guys be part of this? Are you going to be taking part in the festival, sort of having s- some Q and A's afterwards when your 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 show? Is, is presented or are you going to be involved at all? I think we will be involved. Um, we haven't been given any uh, indication as to whether or not, but I'm assuming that we will be. Um, and probably in the same way that we are now with you, which will probably be over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure we will be. Yeah, I mean, today it's depending on the time, right? Because the only problem now is the yeah. But right. if not, yeah, we can we can be a little bit all over the place. <laughs> of yeah. course, you are all over the place <laughs> physically. Yes, absolutely. Yes, pandemic, we've all become, become ubiquitous. No, we can be in so many places at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you guys think that having gone through this process now, how do you think that's going to have an effect, if at all? Or do you now see from having gone through this process and working in this way that it's going to have a, have a open open up new ideas as to how how films or projects might might move ahead in the future? Um, look, I mean, I, I can't speak for an entire industry. I can only no, speak for not. myself as a filmmaker. Yep. Um, I definitely think that just having been through this experience, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm writing another feature film at the moment and I already have noticed how that experience has impacted the way that I'm writing. Mm. Um, because now I'm suddenly thinking about, you know, the fact that I can't do as many things as I could do before. I'm writing a lot smaller now mm. with a lot less characters and also, I'm excited about the idea of working um, with a lot less crew. I know it sounds it sounds bad to say, it does sound bad to say, but um, the fact that I could create what we created with just the three of us um, and with, you know, because my, my film also has poetry in it, so mm. the fourth person was the poet. So the fact that we created that, just like five people created this, you know, piece of work so effortlessly and so easily just as sort of the leader of the team, I found more freedom in that. Um, it felt there was, it was a more organic process. Um, it, um, it felt like there was more flow. It was easier. It had less effort. And so 
you know, the idea of having big crews and having a lot of people and having lots of locations and all of that things, all those things it is obviously, you know, every filmmaker should experience that because, you know, that's part of the process of, you know, mm-hmm. being a filmmaker. But I think as I get older, um, and certainly this experience on one nine gave me a glimpse into what the future of filmmaking can be for me as a filmmaker. I just felt a lot more freedom in that process of um, a smaller, everything smaller, everything scaled down, mm. everything tighter. I just, I, yeah, I find a lot. I found a lot more freedom within mm. that. Interesting. Thank you, uh, uh, Lydia. Listening to those comments, what what comes to mind for you? Yes, I'm quite used to to work like this. I'm I'm also an artist. I've also done like filmic installations and mm. worked always working with film but in a very artistic way and non-commercial mm-hmm. and I'm I'm used I, like my last two projects were films that were done without a script because as I said before I very much like like to work with the actors and find the story with the actors as we go um, there's been both uh, like a bit road movies in, in the sense that, that, that uh, it was a journey but also a, a journey of discovery of the story mm. So, but for me, it was really the first time that I had no actors. That that was <laughs> that was interesting. For me, what it was beautiful in this project, in concrete, it was an idea that we had at the very beginning during this Zoom. We had the the nine women, and when we were searching which would be the common rules, at some point, somebody said a, uh, said a gesture. There was maybe mm-hmm. two, two that in each film, everybody makes a gesture that is very a bit maybe exaggerated or very clear, but that there is at least one thing that is in common in, in all of them. Mm. That, I think that was also something that was lost, but for me really, um, I thought that was very beautiful, like mm. um, in a way taking out the dialogues, but giving more space to the gestures, the, the, the gestures of, of the body as mm. an expression. Mm. Right. And I think this is something I would like maybe to explore more. Mm. I also found it interesting the fact that we had a deadline. I, I was still doing a, a touches in the voiceover like two, three weeks ago, and I realized that I'm not anymore the same person that did that film a year ago. Mm. So that it really captured, I really had the feeling that it really captured a mood I had a year ago that that is not pertinent any longer, which is sort of also something interesting of the process. Yeah, yeah, that really is. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, it's been fascinating speaking with both of you. I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us on the show and share thoughts around your your films. And uh, we we wish you all the best in the future. And thank you for the work that you've done in part of this film, uh, One Nine. And we we hope you have many more projects to come forward. And uh, I want to thank you both once again for taking time to join us on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes. And thanks, Carmen, also. Thank you, Lydia. It was nice to hear your voice again. It's been a minute. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank the, you. you. You bet. Take care. They are the voices of Carmen Sanjin, and she is from South Africa. She's been working consistently as a writer-director for over 20 years in Johannesburg, South Africa. She has written on numerous television shows, written and directed on a number of short films, namely an awarding a 10-minute film called The my name is Jacob. And uh, Lydia, of course, Lydia Zimmerman, has written and directed films since 1994, and she has co-directed uh, an experimental film. And can you help me out with the name of that film, please, Lydia? 
Thank you. I could not have said that. Thank you very much. And uh, you've uh, been a co-production between Spain and Mexico, and in which uh, you've explored the combina- combination of narrative and documentary languages. And uh, between 2003 and 2006, uh, she directed for the Catalan TV and RAI 2TV movies, Women of Ice and Second Skin. It's been a pleasure having them both on the show, and we were talking to them about their films, Uncertainty, Carmen Sanjin is the one that, that uh, she brought forward, and uh, also uh, for Encounter for Lydia Zimmerman. And that is, once again, it's called One Nine, and it is going to be having its debut at the world premiere of Female Eye Film Festival on March 26th, 27th, and 28th at the Tiff Bell Lightbox Theatre. And that is this part of the program. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right here on Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, as we said off the top of the show. And I also want to welcome those listeners on other radio stations that are now carrying Moment of Truth. And or if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, great. We also welcome all those listeners. It's also a pleasure to welcome to the show with us today, Leslie Ann Coles, and she is a filmmaker, founder, and the executive director of the Female Eye Film Festival. And Leslie Ann is also an award-winning screenwriter and filmmaker who's works with both scripted and non-scripted material and has worked in a variety of genres, including shorts, features, television, documentary, and interactive digital media. She recently released an interactive digital media companion app with her multimedia award-winning feature documentary Melody Makers which was released in 2019. In 2021 Telefilm Canada awarded her development support for two female film projects which Coles is writing and directing. Most recently Canada Council for the Arts awarded her a creation grant to direct and produce her short film The Curtain also written and by her as well. And she is an alumni of the Women in the Director's Chair program and is the founder, as we mentioned, and executive director of the Female Eye Film Festival. So it's a pleasure to have uh, Leslie Ann Coles on the show today to talk about the uh, Female Eye Film Festival. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So can you give us a little bit of background before we get into the exciting news you guys have going on right now um, about the Female uh, Eye Film Festival itself? Yes. So the Female Eye is actually in its 20th year. Um, We are celebrating our 19th edition Mm. and we held our first event in 2001. Um, I think it was in November. Uh, It was around the Santa Claus parade. I remember at the Bloor (laughs) Cinema and we neglected to pay attention to that. Um, So people were coming in the theater through the alleyway. Um, And we showed 40, I think, 42 films in the inaugural year. And and what begat the female eye was actually my experience as an independent filmmaker Mm. just out the gate with my first short film. And I was attending international film festivals and there there just weren't many women directors. Mm. And I I noted that as did uh, um, other Um, filmmaker, women directors. And it's not to say the films directed by men that we were seeing weren't great. Mm. It was just, there was a glaring absence of women. Um, And so it raised a question for me. And the question was, 
are there so few women directors or are there films not getting programmed mm. at these international events? Mm-hmm. And so we held an event in Toronto and showed films directed by women. And here we are 20 years later. <laughs> it wasn't really a plan, I guess is what I'm saying. It wasn't like I didn't go into it with the intent mm. of um, <laughs> starting a, an international women's film festival. Uh, but yet, obviously, it was successful and it was a need that was uh, something that you happened to f- focus on and and then uh, come to fruition, as you said. And obviously, it's it's grown. And so that need was there. Now, it also says international independent women directors. Yes. So the majority of films, we're starting to get distributors sending us films Mm. so films that have already been picked up they Mm. may have been independently produced but they're coming to us um, from distributors asking us to watch the films and select films from their pool of of, of features or shorts Mm. mostly features directed by women and so we've started to to accumulate some features, mostly foreign, um, that are in distribution or going to be launching their distribution and they're looking for some platforms uh, in international film festivals. So we started doing that, but we've always been focused on independent films, primarily because it would appear that most of the films that we present at the Female Eye are not just directed by the woman um, director, but also written Mm. by that director. And I mean, certainly from the panels yesterday, it's really obvious that women are wearing, are still wearing many, many hats Mm. in the course of their production. So they're writing, they're directing, they're producing, some are DOPing, some are Mm. actually filming, like shooting their films, um, editing their films. So that is the mark of a true independent film. Hmm. It sure is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, uh, as you, you, you know, I did some interviews with this, a couple of the women that are involved and that are featured in the Female Eye Film Festival with One Nine, and hopefully uh, do a, a few more of those. And they talked, we talked about how the pandemic has sort of altered things and created some opportunities, but also the limitations that you kind of spoke about there. And, you know, how how things got a lot smaller. Uh, certainly crews became smaller if they were allowed to use crews at all. And mm-hmm. so it was interesting to see what you were just saying there. Uh, it's sort of that necessity that comes into play. Yes. And certainly there were a lot of uh, filmmakers talking about how they were in the throes of completing their films, speaking to what you just said, who had to shelve their films Uh, in terms of post-production because of the lockdown, because Mm. of the pandemic. Mm. Um, So it's, yeah, it's been interesting. There have been opportunities, certainly for me, I finished a screenplay, a Western, Mm. a femme-centric Western, actually that I started submitting in uh, 220 uh, to international screenwriting competitions. And I'm a a finalist in nine international screenwriting competitions Mm. with this particular screenplay that Telefilm have come in on for the final for the final polish, the final mm. pass. So it's been fruitful in some ways. I think it's a, a matter of survival mm-hmm. um, when it comes to something like a global pandemic. You you either, I've, I've heard that some creatives are either inspired and they need an outlet mm. in which to process um, their work or 
they they just shut down mm. and they're incubating and they're right. not actually actioning anything at yep. this time. So it seems to be one or the other with a lot of creative people or they mm. dip in and out, you know, of their of their process in terms of creating new work or revisiting work or completing work. So definitely an interesting time. Right, right. Absolutely. Now, um, the the film festival itself and what you've got going on, you, you know, there, I, I read something about how you launched something, and although the date has passed, on International Women's Day. Is there anything of that that is worth mentioning as it rolls forward? Sure. It's still available on, um, it's actually still available on um, Encore Plus. Okay. And I do believe it is also on um, our YouTube playlist. And it was a tribute to Patricia Rosema, a maverick, uh, a notable Canadian woman director who was a former recipient of the Honorary Director Award at Mm. the Female Eye. Mm. And we were partnering with Encore. And I have to say they were fantastic. They came in fast Um, We decided how we were going to deliver films, predominantly the Canadian films on the Encore Plus channel. And we were talking about how we always do a tribute to someone, either Mm. it's the Honorary Director Award or the Honorary Maverick Award. And we, you know, uh, Paulina Abarca-Kentian, our coordinator at Encore, said, well, you know, we have, um, I've heard the mermaids singing. Uh, Patricia Rosema's uh, mm. first film mm. and we could do something there and I thought well yeah we, you know what we could make her a maverick because she's <laughs> truly a maverick mm. so we decided to do that so on March the 8th we launched a kind of a soft launch of the festival a week ahead of actually presenting films and we did a tribute an honorary maverick best in the biz tribute um involving patricia rosema and that was fantastic and we interviewed her carol dr carol whiteman from women in the director's chair interviewed her and we had uh, played our trailer we launched the trailer for the festival and it was great we actually gave her an award on (laughs) zoom and we actually broke the third wall by the way just the way we coordinated the the pass off the handoff of the Mm. award it was great i actually passed it to the left and she accepted it on the right or vice versa i can't remember but anyway somehow it visually worked that's that was great my, that was my big moment of the festival this year was breaking that wall yeah oh that's great that's great that's wonderful congratulations on that and congratulations on your 20 years by the way thank you and and so now with this festival uh you mentioned march 8th you did that soft launch and uh, now you have this presentation of these uh, independent women from around the world you've got uh, features that are coming in from hungary and taiwan japan and costa rica germany united states iran australia new zealand china all over the place and uh, that's going to be at on the tiff bell lighthouse uh, from march 26th to the 28th that is correct. 29th, actually. Okay. So we the films hang in the space. They're, it's interesting, the different platforms. So on Encore, we have programs. Mm. So we ran a program the 12th to the 19th. And some of those films live on Encore Plus okay. until the end of the month, March mm-hmm. 28th. They're actually coming off Encore Plus. Okay. And then we have the films on TIFF, which aren't being delivered in a programish type of way, like at seven o'clock this and at mm. eight o'clock this and at mm. 9 p.m. that Eastern Standard Time, we actually have all the films on digital TIFF Bell Lightbox launching all at once on the 26th at 9 a.m. Mm. And then they will be in this space on our channel or on our 
platform, our carousel, as you were, um, until the 29th. Mm. So it's a different delivery system, but I'm really excited about it. I love working with TIFF Digital. I love working with TIFF Bell Lightbox, but I really am appreciating the infrastructure mm. of the digital platform at right. TIFF. Right. And and so how many submissions are going to be viewed this year then? Ooh, good question. So <laughs> we had, um, we had, uh, let me think, we had 11 films, mm. including two foreign shorts and two foreign features and two foreign, no, so we had 14 films on Encore Plus, mm. including a program of two foreign shorts and that included two foreign documentaries and two foreign features and the rest were all Canadian. So we had 14, 14 films on Encore Plus um, that run until the end of the month. Not just, I shouldn't say um, just all Canadian. There are some, there the foreign, but there's one nine, for example, mm. um, is launching on the 26th. Okay. It's having its pr- world premiere on Encore Plus on the 26th. So we pivoted then and we thought, okay, well, we can show more foreign content on TIFF's digital bell light box, digital TIFF bell light box. So we have a lot of foreign features. Most of our foreign feature films um, are on TIFF's Digital Bell Lightbox, with exception to one Canadian feature by S.B. Edwards from Vancouver. It's a punk. It's a great story. I mean, mm. if you love punk and you appreciated the the movement, um, it's it's a fall back down. And that's mm. the one Canadian feature film at Digital TIFF Bell Lightbox. And then there's a great North American short film program. And there's a fantastic foreign short international short film program and a foreign documentary um, about Marion Hansel, a fantastic uh, filmmaker who passed away sadly last year. Mm. Um, so the, a lot of, a lot is happening, but everything's on our website. I'm trying right. to keep track of all of it myself, but to answer your question, we have nine programs at TIFF Bell Lightbox. And I do believe we have 12 or 13 full film programs on Encore Plus. Great. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, you mentioned the website, and that is femaleifilmfestival.com, so people can go there to find out more and, I guess, purchase tickets? Um, yeah. Well, Encore Plus is free, okay. so it's all free. Okay. Uh, all those films are free to watch, and I encourage people to check it out because they're available, like I said, until March 28th. Mm-hmm. TIFF is a ticketed event um and the tickets i think run into like 21 or 22 dollars taxes in Mm -hmm. well worth the spend these are the films from japan hungary uh dominican republic congo Mm -hmm. uh oh my gosh the uk china iran like i mean and from across canada in the shorts program like i said so really great selection of um films on digital tiff bell lightbox march 26th to the 29th Right. Now, of course, like many festivals and uh, other organizations around the world, uh, things changed with uh, COVID-19, with the lockdown. And of course, you also had to change the way you normally do things um, by taking this virtual and going online. Um, The other thing I'm wondering about is with the presentation of the films, Will there be any interactiveness at all with some of the directors or some of the filmmakers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we we also pivoted that way. So we're using StreamYard and we are feeding 
our panel discussions. So yesterday we held the international documentary panel and that is on our YouTube playlist, which is 19th Female Eye Film Festival. So it's a playlist on YouTube. And there um, tonight, actually, you were speaking to one nine. We have a panel with one nine directors and Ingrid Veniger at mm. 7 p.m. And that's going to be also streaming live on the YouTube playlist on the female eye. Mm. And we're going to be actually, you know, feeding the questions from the live stream into our StreamYard uh, platform where we're actually interviewing the panelists. So. Yeah, there's right now on uh, YouTube, there is the documentary panel and there's also an international uh, screenwriter director panel. And after tonight, there will be the one nine streaming live. And then that panel will also live in our space Ah. on YouTube. But it is interactive. All the panels are interactive. And for people who are interested in learning about financing, film funding. We have Meet the Decision Makers on Wednesday Mm. at 2 p.m. Those interested in learning about distribution and hybrid distribution models. Um, When we're talking about film distribution and independent film, we have Robin Smith from Kino Smith at 4 p.m. on YouTube streaming live. Um, talking about distribution, alternative distribution models. And we're going to have another panel probably Thursday or Friday with a selection of short filmmakers. And by that, I don't mean they're they're not tall. Um, They're (laughs) just working in the short. Yes. (laughs) That was kind of obvious. (laughs) It's all on our website under industry initiatives. But yeah, we're we're learning. Oh, my God. I'm certainly on a big learning curve. I feel like I'm starting all over again. Hmm. What, What do you mean by that? Well, I'm used to delivering a festival live where mm. we hug and kiss and <laughs> hang out in a theater and eat popcorn and watch each other's films and have live panel discussions where other right. people are in the room and, and and there are people, 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 like people are there and it's a visceral experience. Mm. So for me, it's been a huge learning curve mm. um, moving to this digital platform of streaming live interactive panels um, with a virtual audience and delivering films on platforms that have very different requirements mm. and and in some ways limitations. I mean, we've right. certainly cut our program. It's probably a quarter of what it normally is mm. in terms of the films right. that we present annually. So it's been challenging for me, but I have to shout out to my interns who are doing student placements with us, predominantly from Humber from the film and TV production side, we have 25 interns. We normally have eight to Mm. 12 in any given year. (laughs) Um, But because of COVID, I think um, they couldn't go into production studios. They couldn't access some of the places that they would normally do their placements to graduate. So they've all come to the female. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) I couldn't have done the virtual stuff and everything without them though. They have been hugely influential and supportive and really uh, they've joined me on this we're all in this learning curve together so Mm. it's been phenomenal right 
You're listening to Element FM, and this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you're listening in either Toronto or Ottawa at 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM, and listen on your device of choice. We also welcome those people listening on other platforms and also on other radio stations that are now carrying Moment of Truth. My guest here on the show is Leslie Ann Coles. She is a filmmaker and the founder of the Female Eye Film Festival, as well as the executive director. And it's a pleasure to have her on the show talking about the Female Eye Film Festival, as we have been doing. And if you would like to find out more or maybe access the films that they have streaming and showing this year, which, by the way, are also going to be, uh, as she mentioned, through uh, Encore Plus, as well as the Digital Tiff Bell Lighthouse Theatre screenings. And it's a pleasure to have her on the show to talk about these things. Uh, Leslie Ann, one of the things that, that you mentioned um, and that has happened with, because of COVID is, and I talked to some of the filmmakers about this as well, how do you think that moving forward out of this uh, process now that we, as you mentioned, it's been a learning curve for everyone, but everybody seems a lot more comfortable now online doing things. Seem, people seem to have that under their belt. How do you think that's going to affect things going forward? Do you think there's going to be more of an openness to having more of that digital platform involved with live events as we go forward? I I think it will become more integrated into our live events for sure. I do think there are limitations in terms of the intuitiveness. Mm. I think the, the, the systems need to become more intuitive mm. and friendlier to other platforms. So mm. if you're working on StreamYard and you're feeding through to YouTube or uh, whether you're street live streaming to Facebook, I mean, there's still, it, because everything happens so quickly, I think we need more um, for all the techies out there. We need more of an integrated system. Mm. Um, and, and I think that is, is something that we have not caught up to yet. I, I think we're, we're adapting to Zoom and StreamYard is different and there's all kinds of platforms that have sprung up. But I think there's some work to do in terms of delivering live events so that it's, it's a fulfilling, satisfying, easy to navigate, um, easy to integrate other platforms with it. Uh, I think we have a ways to go. And I, I really, I do hope that in 221, or well, no, no, we are in 221. I hope in <laughs> 222 we're live. Mm. Um, and we might do, uh, David, we might do some outdoor screenings in the late spring, right. summer. Yeah. So we are coming back. You might want to know, we are coming back to deliver our script development program, which will probably be online. It'll be virtual. Mm. We have a live pitch. It's going to be a lot of fun. The winner takes home $2,500 cash prize. Mm. Um, we're looking at doing some drive-in movies, mm. either outdoors against right. a wall or sure. in a park on a blow-up screen, a portable yep. screen. Yep. So we are, we're not done yet. We're right. still looking at unpacking the female eye um, over a long, an extended period of time, just as we have been throughout the month of March. You're normally a five-day festival right you know five to eight day festival and that's it and then we close the door and we come back the following year this has been sprawling this Mm. is this has been unpacked over the course of a month and we still aren't done right yeah (laughs) um you know that brings me to another thought that came to me and that is how you've seen the festival change over the years obviously it has grown 
It has grown. And so has the world of festivals dedicated to women directors. Mm. So um, over the last decade, I can say that I have seen more uh, North American festivals spring up dedicated to women directors. The original motherships of festivals dedicated to women directors are found in Armenia Mm. and Turkey, the Flying Broom, Mm. um, and Le Chate in France and Dortmund and I mean there are other film festivals that are as long standing or long longer have been around much longer than the female eye but we have seen a swell in international festivals dedicated to women content creators whether they're writers and directors or producers and actors or filmmakers over the last 10 years and certainly we're seeing more representation of racialized minorities Mm. of women in general getting some funding some development some support for their films because we've been fighting for equity in this industry for a long time Mm. a long time Mm. and we're also seeing more men coming into our events i watching our films We've managed to dispel the myth that women create films for female audiences. It would (laughs) be equivalent to saying men direct films for men. (laughs) Um, Nothing could be further than the truth. So we have managed to come a long way in terms of exposing audiences to films that they might not otherwise see because they would relegate it to sort of a chick flick Mm -hmm. kind of category. Mm -hmm. So what else can you tell us about the Female Eye Film Festival and, and how about the future, maybe? Where, where is it going? What, what new what things are coming up? Well, unusual for us. But like I said, we're actually not finished on the mm. 29th. We're actually coming back in in June mm. to deliver the some of our industry events that we would normally de- deliver live. So speaking of reality, mm. <laughs> I'm afraid our live pitch is going to turn into a reality TV show like American <laughs> Idol or something because we normally have um, people who are selected to pitch. They pitch live to a jury mm. in a theater, mm-hmm. their film, mm-hmm. and then the winner takes home a $2,500 cash prize. And now they're going to be submitting their pitch digitally on a video the jury will be watching the video submissions then they will be selecting the semi-finalists then we're going to have a live pitch where we're going to show the semi-finalists pitch digitally like in a video Mm -hmm. and then the jury we're going to bring them out and the jury are going to ask them questions about their project and at the end of it there's the live pitch. There's the winner of the live pitch in mm. Cinespace and Tri Brothers. And we have people who sponsor that mm. prize, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we're not finished. So what's coming in June is the script development program, probably some highlights of films that we've shown in this iteration mm. and maybe some new films. Maybe we'll be able to do our late night thrills and chills program in a park at night or in a drive-in movie. Um, so we're not done yet. Mm. That's what you can expect from us this year. And then in 222, I don't know yet. I mean, I hope we're alive again and we're back at Tiff Bell Lightbox. Right. And just before we finish up, Leslie, I want to ask you about what are the kind of comments that you're hearing back from uh, the women that have had the opportunity to be involved with the Female Eye Film Festival and had their, you know, their films either uh, shown or they are able to get involved and, and, and have you back them and, and get their films out there? Yeah, you know, I, I really was really reluctant in a way I have to say to do the panels online and live stream them and have a virtual audience. And I'm really glad we did. Mm. And I'll tell you why, because the feedback we're getting from the filmmakers Mm. is that they are so grateful 
that they've had an opportunity to talk about their work um, virtually mm. and that it's being shared and it'll continue to be live streamed. And they seem very grateful that we're, we forged ahead and mm. we're showing their films on digital platforms. So mm. that's been really comforting. And that is the gift for me is that we managed to, you know, we managed to do it um, under some really difficult circumstances, even funding. I mean, a lot of people aren't funding events. I don't know if people know that, but a lot of live events aren't getting funded because the funders are like, well, why do I have to fund this? Like, what is it going to be? And and so people don't know. It's just, we're not there yet. We're just, we're catching up. We're playing the catch up game um, still in the delivery of uh, what, what were typically live events to a digital delivery. So there's a lot of challenges, but the filmmakers are grateful and we're grateful. Um, and it's tough for them because they're dealing with um, not having a lot, the experience of a live audience. Leslie, it's been fascinating speaking with you. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I really am. You've really got me thinking and articulating things I haven't really been given a chance to speak about. So thank you so much, David. Well, thank you. And I hope we have the opportunity to speak again in the future. Yes, yes. And that's the voice of Leslie Ann Coles. She's a filmmaker, founder of the Female Eye Film Festival, as well as the executive director. And we've been talking to her about the film festival. If you want to find out more, you can go to femaleeyefilmfestival.com. And they have films that are going to be streaming uh, at also on the uh, Encore Plus, as well as Digital Tiff Bell Lighthouse. And you can find out more, like I said, by going to their website. And that is our show for today. Thank you. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.